Today we're starting our fall spiritual growth campaign. It's called Transformed. And our sermon series, our small groups, Rockbrook for Kids, Rockbrook Youth Group, everything's on the same track, same page, doing the same thing. And our theme verse for the campaign is Romans 12.2. Let's read this out loud together. Romans 12.2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because you are either going to be conformed to the world or you are going to be transformed by God. Those are the options. Now, Over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at seven key areas of your life. Your spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, physical, financial, and vocational health. I mean, this is a massive health assessment. And today, as we begin the campaign, I want you to understand that this campaign is about the future. Now, often I'll do sermon series or we'll do teachings about the problems and pressures in life, but this series is about your potential. It's about the possibilities. It's all about your future. And so throughout this campaign, we're going to be pushing you to set goals for your life in each of these seven areas. Now, I want to talk to you today about why goals are important to changing my life. Why are we going to push you? Why do you need to set goals in each of these areas? Number one, goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. It's a spiritual responsibility. Do you know that God sets goals? God has goals for the universe. God has goals for planet Earth. God's had goals for history. God has goals for eternity. And certainly God has goals for your life. He is a goal-setting God. The Bible tells us that Jesus set goals. In fact, Jesus would publicly announce in advance his goal for the next phase of his ministry. He said, I must go through Samaria. I must go to Jerusalem. I must go to the cross. Jesus set goals. Every person in the Bible uh, is goal-directed. Abraham, Moses, David, Solomon, they all had goals. Uh, Paul is a classic example of this. In Philippians 3, he says this. He says, I know that I am not yet what God wants me to be. I haven't reached that goal, circled that goal. But I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. Paul says, I am saved for this goal. I know that I haven't yet reached my goal, circled my goal. But there's one thing I always do. Forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead. I keep my eyes focused on what? The goal. goal. Circle that. So that I may one day win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ in the life above. Let's all read the last phrase here together. All of you who are spiritually mature should think this same way too. Paul was a goal-oriented, goal-setting, purpose-driven guy. And he says, everybody who's going to be spiritually mature, you need to think that way too. Now, why is it important for you to set goals? Because you're going to go through life either by design or by default. You're either going to set goals and design where you want your life to go, or other people are going to decide for you. That's just the way it happens. If you don't have goals for your life in each of these seven areas, you are abdicating control of your life to other people. And they'll gladly take control. Without goals, you're drifting through life. You are coasting. And anytime you're coasting, you're going downhill. And so the Bible says in order to be spiritually mature, I set my goal, I strive for my goal, I keep my eyes on the goal. 
It's a spiritual responsibility to set goals. That's why it's so important. Number two, goals are statements of faith. A lot of people think, oh, this goal-setting thing, that's a secular business thing. As a Christian, I just walk by faith. I just let God lead. I just follow the Spirit. I don't know. No. Goal-setting is a habit that you must establish if you're going to be spiritually mature. Goals are statements of faith. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you set a goal, you're saying, I believe, that's a statement of faith, I believe God wants me to do this deed by this date. A goal is a statement of faith. And it's not just a statement of faith, but big goals will stretch your faith. The bigger your goal, the more your faith will be stretched, and that pleases God. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. And so if I'm going through life with no goals, that means I have to take no risk. If I have to take no risk, it means I need to exercise no faith. And if I'm not living by faith, I'm being unfaithful. And that does not please God. Now here's a goal-stretching verse for you. Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or dare to request in your wildest dreams. God says, Kelly, you think of the wildest dream that you could ever dream. You think of the wildest request you could dare to ask. I'll beat it. I'll beat it. I've seen that in my own life. I I never imagined that I would be playing a significant role in reaching 200 million Hindus for Jesus Christ in North India. Never in my wildest dreams. I mean, God laid a, a, a burden on my heart for missions. I began praying for unreached people groups. But I never imagined this. <laughs> never. And all of a sudden, bam, here we go. Woohoo! We're on our way. The, the problem is we limit God by our unbelief. We limit God by our unbelief. Now, there are two common mistakes that we make in goal setting. Two common mistakes when we set goals. Number one, we set them too low. And number two, we try to reach them too quickly. We set them too low, we try to reach them too quickly. We we overestimate what we can do in one year, and we underestimate what we could do in five. Okay? Now, in this series, we're going to set a goal in each of the seven areas of your life. And I want to encourage you, don't set them too low. Don't set them too low. Dream big dreams for God. Think bigger than you've ever thought before. What do I dream about in my relationships? What do I dream about in my career? What do I dream about in my finances? What do I dream about in my relationship with God? How healthy would I like to be? Dream big dreams. Instead of setting puny, tiny little goals and trying to reach them quickly, set a big goal and spend the rest of your life trying to reach it. Because Jesus says in Matthew 9, 29, he says, according to your faith... It will be done to you. God says you get to choose how much I'm going to transform your life through this campaign. Great faith brings great transformation. Little faith, little transformation. God says you get to choose according to your faith. It will be done to you. And so when we start setting goals in these seven areas over the next seven weeks, I want you to ask the question, will this goal require me to have faith? Is it a dream so big that I am bound to fail unless God bails me out? And don't ever be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. So dream big dreams for God. Number three, goals focus my energy. They focus my energy. They keep me from wasting my time, my energy, my resources, my money, 
Focus is the key to an effective life. It's not these 50 things I dabble in. It's this one thing I do. The more you focus your life, the more effective your life is going to be. If you spread your life out over a whole bunch of activities, it weakens your impact. But if you focus your life, you can change the world. You can. A focused life can change the world. Now, the world is full of distractions. Have you noticed that? The world is full of distractions. It's trying to pull you in any way it can. And so you can spend your life or you can waste your life or you can invest your life. And God calls you to invest your life by pouring it into what is going to outlast it. That's the things of God. You don't have time to do everything. You don't have time to do every good thing. You must live selectively. You must live effectively. And the key to being an effective woman of God, an effective man of God, is to do what matters most and forget everything else. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, he says, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. Paul says, I'm not playing air guitar here. He says, when I run, I run to win. When I box, I hit something. If you're running without a goal, you're just running. That's why you're so tired all the time. You are wearing yourself out, chasing distractions. And goals will help you focus your energy, set goals that matter for eternity. Number four, goals are important because goals keep me going. Goals keep me moving. They uh, give me the power to endure, to persevere. And some of you are going through difficult seasons. Some of you are going through hell right now. I mean, you are. You're facing a serious illness, a bankruptcy, a divorce, a season of grief, a season of depression. Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. You know, don't camp out in hell. Don't make a home in hell. Keep going. And the way to do that is to look beyond the pain to the payoff. That's what Jesus did. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross because he looked forward to the goal and the glory that was set before him. And if you don't have any goals in your life, you, you don't have what it takes to move you through those difficult seasons. I mean, if you don't have any goals in life, why even get out of bed? Job says, I do not have the strength to endure. You ever feel like that? I do not have the strength to endure. Why? I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. You have to have that goal that encourages you to carry on. In World War II, the Nazis killed 6 million Jews. They killed uh, millions of other people. Christians, uh, gypsies, elderly, the disabled, anybody they didn't like, they herded them into these death camps. And, and they studied the people who survived that Holocaust. And they discovered that as diverse as they were, they all had one thing in common. Every one of them had something to look forward to. Every one of them had a goal to live for. Because the people who didn't have anything to live for, the ones without a goal, they lost hope, they gave up, they died. A long-term goal keeps you from being discouraged by short-term setbacks. And everybody has setbacks. Everybody blows it. Everybody makes mistakes. Failure is the pathway to success. And the key is to learn from it, get back at it. And it takes faith to set goals in your life, but goals also require grace. Faith is our part. Grace is God's part. It takes faith to set goals, and God gives you the grace 
to endure, to persevere until you meet them. Job says, I have to have a goal to encourage me to carry on. So setting goals, that's an important part of encouragement. And you may have come here this weekend and and you're down, you're discouraged. I want to encourage you, set some new goals. Set some new goals for your life because goals keep me going. Fifth reason it's important. Goals build my character. Drifting doesn't build character. Coasting doesn't build character. Striving to meet a goal builds character. Now, now you need to understand this. The greatest benefit in your life over the next 50 days, the greatest benefit in your life is not going to be the goals that you set and achieve. The greatest benefit is going to be what happens inside you as you strive to reach those goals. I mean, you're working on the goals, and God is working on you. Does that make sense? God is more concerned about you than he is your accomplishments. You are more important to God. But the goals are what help build your character for eternity. Paul says in Philippians 3.12, I keep striving toward the goal. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes intention to reach a goal. And you will never become the man of God that God intends for you to be unless you intend to become that man. You will never become the woman of God that God intends for you to be unless you intend to become that woman. And ten years from today, some of you won't be in church. Ten years from now, some of you will be a long way from God. You'll have come out of a failed marriage. You'll have come through all kinds of problems in your life. Why? Because you never intended to be a man of God. You never intended to be a woman of God. It was just a casual church kind of a thing. It was not done with intention. You'll never become what God intends without being intentional. And goals build my character. That's why they're so important. Number six, goals are important because good goals will be rewarded. Good goals are rewarded in two ways. One, they are rewarded on earth by people. They're also rewarded in heaven by God. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. If your goals are good, you will be respected. You want to be respected? Set good goals. Now, what's really important is the reward that we get in eternity because of our goals. 1 Corinthians 9, 25, Paul says, All athletes practice strict self-control. They eat right, sleep right, work out, exercise, train. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. Everybody's trophies get thrown away at some point. Everybody's record gets broken. Okay? They train, they work, they exercise. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. Paul is a purpose-driven goal setter. And he says, you need to be too. Now, not every goal that you set is a good goal. Not every goal that you set, God's going to bless. And so as you set these seven goals in seven areas over the next seven weeks, I want you to set the kind of goal that God blesses. So what kind of goal does God bless? On the back side of your outline there. When you set a goal, you want to ask three questions. First, will this goal honor God? What kind of goal honors God? What kind of goal brings glory to God? Any goal that causes you to trust Him more. 
Any goal that causes you to depend on him more, to love him more, to love other people more, to serve him more, to serve other people more, to be less selfish, to become more like Christ, that's a God-honoring goal. 1 Corinthians 6.20, God paid a price for you, so use your body, say it with me, to honor God. Yeah. Are you honoring God with your body? Or are you honoring yourself? 1 Corinthians 10.31, when you eat or drink or do anything, always do it, say it with me, to honor God. I mean, even the everyday mundane things, eating, drinking, taking out the trash, washing dishes, studying for a test, whatever you're doing, it can be done to honor God. The Bible says we make it our goal to please Him. Second question. Is it motivated by love? Is it motivated by love? Because God is not going to honor a goal that's motivated by greed. God is not going to honor a goal that's motivated by competition and envy. God is not going to honor a goal that's motivated by grief, guilt, or grudges. God's not going to honor a goal that's based on worry, fear, or anxiety. God's not going to bless a goal that's motivated by ego or pride. No, when you set a goal out of love, when you say, God, I want to do this because I love you and I want to love other people, God's going to honor that goal because it's all about love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Everything you do must be done with love. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Love must be your highest goal. Number one goal in your life should be to love unlovely people. To love the loveless, the unloved, the hard to love. Listen, folks, it's easy to love lovely people like you. Okay? It's just easy to love lovely people like you. But God calls us to love the ones that are hard to love, to love the unloved. That's when we're most like God. So why is it important that you have goals that are based in love? Because if you set loveless goals, you will use people to reach the goal. And that's just the opposite of what God wants you. You will run over people to reach the goal. You will run over your marriage. You will run over your kids. You will run over your career. You will run over people to reach the goal. God says, no, 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 no. It's exactly the opposite. He says, it's not about the accomplishments. It's about the relationships. It's about learning how to love. So your goals must be based in love. Number three, you want to ask, will it require depending on God? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you don't have a goal that requires faith, then it's not a God-pleasing goal. In fact, it's not a faith goal, it's a flesh goal. And God doesn't honor flesh goals. Now, Proverbs 16.9, in the message paraphrase, it says this. It says, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. And that's what's going to happen in this transformed campaign. In this campaign, you get to plan the way you want to live. This series will help you set goals for the rest of your life. Folks, it's a big deal. You can plan the way you want to live, but only God gives us the power, the ability to make the transformation. Only God provides the three things that you must have in order to reach that goal. There are three things you must have in order to transform your life. And first thing is, I need God's Spirit to empower me. This campaign is not something that's going to be done on willpower. 
It's got to be done in God's power. It's not based on you trying harder. It's based on you trusting God more. I need God's Spirit to empower me to make these changes. Zechariah 4.6, you will not succeed by your own strength or your own power. You will not succeed on your own. But by my Spirit, says the Lord. The life that pleases God is not lived out by the power of the flesh. The life that pleases God is lived out by the power of the Spirit. Paul says, don't walk in the flesh, walk in the Spirit. This is a spiritual endeavor that we are embarking on. This is not a self-help, self-improvement, pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps endeavor. No, far from it. The exact opposite of it. If you're going to be transformed, it's going to be because you have surrendered your life as a living sacrifice to Jesus Christ. That's where the power is going to come from. And if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's your first goal. That's your first goal to give your life to Jesus Christ. And we can help you reach that goal right here, right today. At the end of the message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just turn your life over to Jesus Christ, and it will unleash the power of Christ, the power of the Spirit, the power of the Father, the power of the Word in your life, and it will transform your life. But you can't do it apart from God's power. Next, I need God's Word to guide me. God's Word. The Bible is the owner's manual for life. And the more you get this book into your mind, into your heart, into your life, the more you read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, the more you do it, the more God-honoring your goals will become. And the more you set goals that honor God, the more successful you will become. Because God honors biblical goals. And so you've got to do it with the Lord. When Joshua was given the great goal of taking over the promised land, and, and folks, Joshua was about 80 years old when God told him to go in and take over. You're never too old for this stuff. Joshua was 80 years old. God gave him a lifetime goal to conquer the land of Israel. And God said these words to Joshua in Joshua 1.8. He says, keep this book of the law on your lips. Talk about it all the time. Recite it by day and by night. Memorize it so you can quote it. Let it fill your speech that you may carefully follow all that is written in it. Do it. Do what it says. Follow it. That's the premise. Look at the promise. Then you will successfully attain your goal. And that's one of the greatest promises in the Bible. And it's given right from God. He says, then you will successfully attain your goal. How can you succeed at reaching your goals? If, if you become a man of the word, if you become a woman of the word, you are not going to figure life out on your own. You see people around you, maybe you've tried, you see people all around you trying to figure life out on their own. It doesn't work. You have to have God's word to guide you. You must set biblical, godly goals in order to succeed in life. Third thing I need, I need God's people to support me. Because you're not going to be able to reach these goals on your own. They're too big. They're too hard. It takes a team to fulfill a dream. And so you need other people. Ryland's been talking about that the last three weeks, talking about the friends that we need in order to reach your goals. And this is why, why we encourage, why we insist that everybody in this church get plugged into a small group. Because you are never going to feel like a part of, part of this church until you're in a small group. I mean, folks, as a staff, we don't even call these weekend services the church. We, you guys are the crowd. This is just a crowd. 
And a crowd can't support you, but a small group can. You get plugged into a small group, and they'll know when you're having a bad day. They'll know when you're struggling. They'll be there to support and help you. And so you get plugged in with three or four or six or eight other people. Uh, They can know your needs and support you, but a crowd can't. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, By yourself you're unprotected. Do not live life unprotected. But with a friend you can face the worst. And a group of three is even better. Because a rope braided with three strands is not easily snapped. And what do you call three people meeting together? It's a small group. Jesus said, Where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst of them. Now, I want to tell you, you know, uh, this campaign, this is a serious spiritual endeavor, but you need to know, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Some of you are going to get plugged into a small group, and you're going to have more fun than you've ever had in your life. I mean, seriously, folks, we're not asking you to get a root canal or a colonoscopy here, okay? (laughs) We're, We're asking you to get plugged into a small group with some other believers and let Jesus Christ work in your life. I mean, how joyful is that? It's going to transform your life. But only if you will hear it, read it, Watch it, talk it, and do it. You've got, you've got to do it. Now, if all you do is come to church and hear a sermon, the, the transformation is not going to be as powerful for you. It's just not. In fact, you run the risk of being no different in seven weeks if that's all you do. But if you'll hear it, read it, watch it, talk about it, discuss it, do it, The Spirit of God is going to move into your life. The power of God's Word is going to move into your life. The power of the body of Christ is going to move in your life. And you will not be the same person in 50 days. You won't be. You'll be a better person because of it. So if you're not in a small group yet, I want to encourage you, as soon as the service is over, just walk across this pathway here over to the East Building. And in the fellowship hall, Pastor Tom has a small group connection fair set up. And there's information over there about all the small groups that you can get plugged in. And uh, I'd encourage you to walk over there and get plugged into a small group. Now, if you're in a group and you haven't picked up your study guide yet, they're all over there. I'll tell you, have been doing them over here until today, but they're all over there. And uh, you can go over. These are $15. I've been working through this while I was in India. Folks, this is the best thing we have ever given you in any of these campaigns. I mean, this tool is absolutely amazing. It's got a place for sermon notes in here. It's got all the small group studies in here. It has your memory verses in here. It's got a prayer guide in here. It has a daily devotion for every day of the week in here. It's got a a goal-setting information, a place to track your goals, how to reach your goals. I mean, it's got everything you need right in here. And I'd encourage you, bring this with you on the weekend. Take this to your small group. Stick it in your briefcase. Stick it in your lunchbox. Take it to work. Read the daily devotions. Work on the memory verses. Work through the prayer stuff. Set the goals. Wear this thing out. It's a tool. Wear it out. And if you do that, God will do an amazing work in your life through this campaign. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you're already doing an amazing work in the lives of people. We look forward to to lives being changed, families being strengthened, marriages saved, friendships restored. Miracles are going to happen in the lives of people. And I thank you for what's already happened in the hearts of people who who have taken the step to host a group. God, they've already demonstrated their obedient servants' hearts. And God, that's a transformation and a life change for many of them. And God, I I thank you for all the people who have signed up for a small group. They have moved against their fear. They're going to get in a group of people they don't know. They're going to go to a stranger's house and connect in a group. 
God, they have, they have moved against a busy schedule full of distractions. They are carving out time in their life for you. And God, that's already life change. And you honor that. God, most of all, I thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ that makes it even possible for us to change. Now I invite you to pray, just to pray this. Would you just say, God, I give you permission to change whatever needs to be changed in my life over the next 50 days. God, I give you permission to change whatever needs to be changed in my life. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that right now. Just in the quietness of your own heart and mind, just say, God, I recognize I cannot make the changes I need to make in my own strength. I need the power of the resurrected Christ in my life. And so, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, bind up my wounds, Give me the new, eternal, abundant life that you have promised to those who believe in your son, Jesus, because, God, I believe in him right now. Lord, I thank you that you can come into our lives right here, right now, today, and transform us. We celebrate that in Jesus' name.